0: Chapter number twenty. I'm going to jump around uh, a little bit this morning, but we're going to start in Acts twenty. <coughs> kind of a New Year's um, message, not kind of, but it is. And uh, but you know, we're still close enough to the start of the year that um, I felt compelled to uh, share this uh, this morning and. You know, as I looked here in the book of Acts and um, chapter number 20 verse 20, you know I, I was thinking about just our, our general walk. you know, as we mentioned briefly there, there's commitments that are made um, at the beginning of the year, resolutions as we might call them, goals as we might call them, but We want to change things. We want to make things better. But are we doing it where it matters most? And that's in the way towards the things of Christ. To better follow His example. In verse number 20, uh, let's go ahead and read that this morning. The Bible says, "...and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house." Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to stand here this morning to share your word. Lord, I thank you for each and every person that's been able to make it out. For those that are able to watch online, Father, I pray that you would um, just work in our hearts this morning. Show us that which we need. Father, we thank you for it all. Give me the words to say, in Christ's name, amen. Again, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. You know, this is the process that he was going through here. And he said, I kept back nothing that was profitable. You know, so many of us, I'm just going to say all of us. I believe it's true with every single one of us. It was, um, you know, the truth here he had kept back nothing, but how much we have kept back of the gospel of Christ in this world. There's enough Christians in this world, although we are a minority, the true Christian is in our country, in this world. There's still enough of us. If we were to do our job and keep nothing back, then this world would be turned upside down for Christ. It's amazing the outreach that we can have Our churches would be full. They would be running over. If only we would invite people to come. If only we would share the truth of God's word. With our families, with our friends, with our coworkers, whoever we come in contact with, and many of you have done just that. I've saw visitors come in from time to time that people have invited. I know in my home church, it's amazing how God works. We go out door to door and you know telling people, "Hey, you're invited to come this Sunday if we're having a special day or something." And you know, most of the time, we don't see anyone from that day. However, God gives the increase we see that people have come in that we 've never talked to, or we come, see people come in and say, "You know you invited me a couple years ago, and I found this invitation card and thought i 'd come in you know I hear these 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 stories all the time from churches that i 'm in, and i 've been through close to three hundred churches in the past three years as we 've been On deputation. Raising our support to come out here. And just what people said. It amazes me what God does. But in reality. Why does it even amaze me? You know he's promised these things. But you know I think what may be more amazing. Is to actually see people doing. What God has told them to do. Because that has become the minority. Minority among the church members. So. You know, with the new year upon us, you know, if you've decided on a resolution, a commitment, a goal, whatever you want to call it, and I realize there's some differences between those, but, you know, we got to do our best to keep them. You know, eight out of ten people dropped their commitment within the first week. Maybe the first two weeks. After the first second month, Hardly anyone's kept their commitments that they've made, their resolutions. Just go to your gym and you'll find out. You know, that seems to be one of the most common things is I'm going to get fit this year. The first month, you know, I used to have a gym membership. Used to. And, you know, I did that. I went for the first couple of months and I was done. I got back into it again and, you know, did a little better. Spent a couple of years going regularly and I would avoid... January and February, a lot because there's so many people in there that didn't know what they were doing. It was just hard to do anything. And then, you know, by the end of February, it was kind of back to normal. But we see that in so many different areas of our lives. Um, you know, biblically speaking, we, we see people start the new year. They'll pick up one of those checklists of going through the Bible in a year. You know, that, some people can do that. I don't do that. I have a problem with that because it takes me a while. I'm a slow reader to start with for me to really grasp what's going on. As I tell my family, you know, when I'm reading, I read a chapter three times. So by the time I get through the Bible once, I've read it three times. Um, But it takes me that long to comprehend what's going on. Um, So that's just me. And, you know, that's where I'm at. But um, so the yearly plan not necessarily for me, but, you know, some people do great with that. If that's you, great. Um, whatever method, I think, you know, being in the Bible needs to be one of our commitments. And um, I want to talk this morning, though, about three of those commitments. Three areas of our life that need to change in focus. The title of the message this morning is Living Our Life in Gospel Focus. And, you know, as we think we're just... Um, what, 16 days into 2022 now. Many of those resolutions have already went by the wayside. Many of the commitments for Christ have already gone by the wayside. You know, in churches we see people come down to the altar. They make a decision for Christ. Many times by the time they get home, it's already gone. How many of you by the time, and don't answer this question, but to yourselves... How many of you, by the time you get home on Sundays, really have to think about what was even preached that morning? You know, I've been there. We're so into it that we don't even remember it three or four hours later. You know, that's unfortunately probably the average Christian. That's why this world looks like it does. So I ask the question, where is your focus today? Where is your focus for Christ? Where is God's plan for your life? Where is it at on the priority list? Have you made a commitment? It's a commitment that has to be made daily. The Bible says we're to die daily. Die to self daily. It's a daily commitment. The commitments we make towards God have to be done daily. Otherwise, they will fall by the wayside. But I'll reiterate verse 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. But I've showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. You know, we see the things that were done here. It's kept back nothing. Showed you. Have taught you publicly. Taught you house, from house to house. They've taught. This is like the super Christian in our minds, right? You know... Or the pastor, even better. We say, okay, that's the job of the pastor. That's the job of the deacons, the assistant pastor. That's not for me. But reality, that's what we're committed to do as Christians. Let's turn over to Second Timothy chapter 2. You know, I, I, think, I think these commitments that I want to show you this morning, they're not going to be anything new to you. But they're going to reiterate a couple things that... I believe will help us get to that point where we hold nothing back. First of all, there's a commitment to the Bible. A commitment to the Word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15. A well-known verse, one that's often quoted. The Bible says to study Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's a lot in that verse. But we're commanded here. This is, of course, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. He's telling him as a pastor, hey, you've got to study to show yourself approved unto God. You've got to be a workman in the Scriptures. You've got to work at this. You've got to study. You've got to work at studying And as you do it, you need not to be ashamed. You've got to rightly divide the word of truth. And, you know, those aspects are missing in a lot of churches, a lot of pastors. But this goes beyond the pastor because why does it stop there? We're all commanded to be in the word. We're to meditate on the word day and night, the Bible tells us. So if we're doing that, we've got to be in the word every day. We've got to have something to meditate on, right? We've got to be there. Something We've got to have, take time in the word where it just jumps off at the page at you. And God will give you those moments if you're dedicated to it. But again, he says, study to show thyself approved unto God. You know, your approval is by God. No one in this room, maybe you've got an accountability person that you go to and They ask you, hey, well, have you read today? What have you read today? Did you get anything out of it? And those are great to have. But your accountability is to God. Your approval is by God. You know, as your special singers, they they come up and do special singing. You know, if we realize this point, our approval is only by God. I think there would be more that would come up here and do it. I'm as guilty as anyone... Uh, Of course, you heard me sing, um, maybe a little bit of reason there, but we sing unto God. We sing to an audience of one. And, you know, that audience of one, he's the only approval we have. We're not seeking, I'm not seeking your approval for standing here and preaching today. I'm not seeking your approval for how I sung up here. You know, and that may be a good thing. But um, nonetheless, we've got to seek God's approval alone because when we start relying on the approval of everyone else we're going the wrong direction you're going to hear comments man he can't carry a tune in a bucket um, <laughs> you know you're going to hear those things it's going to discourage you um you know when i first started preaching uh, there was someone in my home church they, they'd like to tell me well you know you could have added this or that to it That's nice. (laughs) You know, listen to what he's got to say. And yeah, maybe it's something good. I incorporated into something, you know, down the road. But, um, you know, you'll have those. Um, I've heard when people sing and, man, they really shouldn't have got up there and sang. You know, they don't need to be up there. And, um, you know, you hear that kind of thing. Most of the time that's not told to someone's face. But I've heard it said in ear range of the person. I've heard them see it or hear it. And they never go back up. It changes their perspective. They've allowed someone other than God to control their actions. Or to be filled with the spirit. To Be filled means to be controlled by the spirit. He is the only one that should dictate our actions. But you know, we worry too much about what people say or think. That's why we don't go out and share the gospel. We don't go talking to people and sharing our testimony of what God has done in our life because they think it's foolishness. Sometimes they like to tell us about it. We don't want to hear that. We want to hear encouragement. We want to go door to door and every person gets saved. But the reality is, it's few and far between. Somewhat because we don't know our Bibles. Somewhat because... We're scared to death of it. We come off so nervous and they're just like, okay, well, he doesn't have confidence in what he's saying. We'll just hear him out and go on. Um, You know, there's a lot of reasons there. People have just hardened their heart. You know, that may be all it is. But yet it discourages us. But if we go, we have God's approval. He's told us to do it. But in these commitments, being committed to the word of God, our Bibles, as we're committed to it, as we're reading it, we grow in our confidence. We're more willing to share because, hey, you know, I think I know a little bit more of what I'm talking about. And, you know, I I hear preachers today and like, man, I I just don't feel adequate enough to stand here and, you know, before you because, man, they know so much more than I do. I'm Sure, I've been through Bible college, but, you know, that doesn't mean anything. You can go through, you can take tests, you can pass them, and you can forget everything you learned. And, but you've got to be a student of the Word. You've got to study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the Word of truth. You know, I, I think about Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. We see Paul, he gives an account here where Paul is sharing, I believe, one of the things that he longed most for. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. But he said that I may know him. You know, that's the Apostle Paul, one of the probably strongest men in the faith, wrote, um, I think it's like 16 books of the New Testament. I may be a little off there, I forget, but he wrote the majority of the New Testament. But yet, he still longs to know Christ better. Our knowledge of Christ and who He is that comes out of the Word of God, that's what's going to change our life. That's what's going to change what we are willing to do for Him. As we study, we look for ways to know Him more, to gain that closer walk with Christ. In Joshua 1.8, the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. There's an order of things going on there. He says to observe, to do according to all that is written. That word observe means To obey. Just as you would observe a holiday, you partake in it, you observe the commandments of God. You obey what He's given us. And He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. How many of you have heard that thrown out as parents or parents to children? If you love me, you're going to do it. You know, God kind of does that too. If you love me, you keep my commandments because love is action. Everywhere throughout the Scriptures, we see love. We see action. And... The greatest, of course, on the cross at Calvary. Jesus Christ who left heaven and all of its glory to come to seek and to save that which was lost. As He came to this earth looking to save, He lived that perfect, sinless life. He died perfect on the cross at Calvary. And, you know, at that point had been beaten and bruised to the point that he wasn't even recognizable as a man. But yet he did all of that for us because we have sinned, because we can't pay for our sin. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as we, we look at the Scriptures and we see the magnificent amount of pain and suffering that our Savior went through so that we can have salvation. You know, how, how can we turn away from that? How can we go against Him? You know, people say, make the comments, man, you know, if somebody is willing to die for me. Or, you know, if someone has stepped in front of a bullet, taken a bullet for someone, you hear them say, you know, how could I ever repay you? And, you know, that's exactly what Christ has done. All he wants is us to accept him, accept the truth that he died for you, that he rose again the third day, that he's alive in heaven. You know, we're the only group of people in the world that have a God that's alive today. He's alive today waiting on us to join with Him in heaven. But all we have to do is trust, believe in the truth, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that He is who He says He is. That He is God. But we've got to share it with this world. That's what He's asked us to do. Go into all the world preach the gospel to every creature. As we read that verse in Joshua, Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. We've got to be daily, devotedly, diligently in the Word of God. It is work. It's going to take more than five minutes a day of reading your Bible. To get to where God expects you to be. And, you know, it's that word workman, that, that's serious. It, it is work. And it's going to take some of your time. But is it not worth it? Matthew 4 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That daily nourishment isn't enough on its own. The, of the actual physical. But we have to have the bread of the Word of God. We've got to get into the meat of the Word of God. And just dwell in it. Uh, you can turn back a couple of pages. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 11 through 13. The Bible says, These things command and teach. Let no man despise Thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. We, we look at that, especially that last part. Till I come, give attendance to reading. Okay, that's good. I can read every day. I can read a couple of times a week. You know, we, we start... Falling back on it even there. But, you know, to reading. To exhortation. You know, as part of the church. We're to exhort one another. We're to lift up their spirits. You know, there's, there's churches that went completely online over the past couple years here. And, you know, they're not able to see each other in person. They're not able to do the exhorting part. But that's what the church is all about. It's exhorting one another. And, you know, we've got to be together to do that that's part of the importance of church and that's just part of it you know we get time where we hear prayer requests we lift up those prayer requests to God and he hears those prayers he answers he works through prayer but we've got to know what to pray for and it's oftentimes those one-on-one conversations with our fellow believers in Christ that come out they don't share it publicly they they want to share it one-on-one And those are the things that may need praying most. And, you know, as we think about those things, we've got to be together. We've got to be in the word. We've got to know what is expected of us. He said, give attendance to reading, to exhortation. And then where we really fall short in many places is to doctrine. Thankful that this church teaches doctrine. But so many places around the world. It's, it's just they get the milk of the word. And they get just the high level, the feel good preaching. They don't get into the doctrines of why we believe what we believe. You know, why we need to do certain things. They're just along for the ride. And in our Bible study, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman. As we work, we have to get into these doctrines. If you don't know why you believe something... You need to study it out. You need to figure it out. Ask your pastor to help you with it if you need to. You know, ask somebody in the church. Be careful of going out on the internet to find it. I will throw that out there. But we've got to give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. As Paul was telling Timothy here, you know, this is a command to teach his people. We can take it as a command to share what we've learned with those around us. You know, if if you're working your job and you got your lunch break or whatever, you know, maybe it's a time that you just start throwing in these little pieces. Man, you know, God's been good. He, he taught me this. And just throwing in things here and there. You know, as I, I used to work for a food line and grocery store on the East Coast, and I worked in the corporate office there as a software developer. But go out with lunch. Some of my teammates are, you know, just people... In the area there that I knew was working with or whatever. And you know, it's hard to get too deep in some of those conversations. But some of them, we really got got into some detail. Because maybe they didn't believe for a certain reason. And you can start breaking some things down and showing them. You know, this is why I believe what I believe. But if you're not in the Word, you can't do that. Because so many times someone will say, well, you know... What, what about baptism? you got to be baptized to be saved. You know, if you start going down that road and they start thinking that, it's like, you know, it could be as simple as well, what about the thief on the cross? You believe he went to heaven? Most of the time, well, yeah. Was he baptized? No. Well, well he can't be in heaven then, according to you. You know, it may be something simple like that. And, and of course, you can get deeper there, but. There's so many aspects that you've got to know the Word of God. The Word is what will change our lives. It's what will change the lives of those we're witnessing to. God has promised that we will have direction that will grow through the reading and the study of His Word. Psalm 119 and a couple verses there, several verses that really point to this. But in verse 105, the common verse, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, as we're reading on our daily basis, as we meditate on the word, it's like if you just imagine shining a flashlight down in front of your feet. You know, that's about what God's given us. He's not holding that flashlight out so you can see 100 yards in front of you. He's showing you right here. It's a, light into you, a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. And that's kind of an immediate path. And he's not giving you what you need three weeks from now. He's giving you what you need for today. Tomorrow, he'll give you what you need for tomorrow. And we've got to realize that without being in his word daily, we don't have the light shining as we need it. We may walk down the wrong path because we don't know where it's shining. If we you jump down a little bit further. Verses 9 through 11. This you know, shows how the word of God changes us. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh let me not wonder from thy commandments. Thy word if I hid in mine heart. That I might not sin against thee. It's the word of God that will change us. That will cleanse us. But we've got to be willing. To change. It's never too late to commit to the Word of God, to start reading it, to start studying it, to start meditating in it. The battles of our life will be defeated through the Word of God. We will have victory in Jesus through His Word. We've got to be committed to the Bible. But we've got to be committed to the battle. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. First Samuel chapter three. When we enter the battle, it's critical that we keep our weapons close to us. We keep our weapons sharp. Keep them ready. In the passage we're about to read, Samuel has entered the picture. He was born after Eli had blessed Elkanah his wife and. He had requested of the Lord to give seed of the woman for the loan which He had sent, that He had lent for the Lord. Now the Lord provided 500% interest on that. 500% interest on the loan for the five children that were born. You know, God, oftentimes, He'll go above and beyond what we ask or think. If we're willing, if we're in His path. But Samuel was in favor with God. He was in favor with men. Before he even knew the Lord. After God had called upon Samuel three times while he was sleeping. Samuel heard. He responded to God knowing who he was. And we saw he called him, he called him Lord. In verses um, 16. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel my son. And he answered, here am I. And he said, what is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so. To thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good. Seemeth him good. But from this point, Samuel grew in the knowledge of the Lord. He absorbed everything that was said unto him. But verse 19 says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And did let none of his words fall to the ground. So it's one of those verses in my daily reading. I hit that verse and it stopped me. I didn't get any further through 1 Samuel that day. Chapter 3. Verse 19 hit and that's where I stopped. And God started feeding me through that verse. He started showing me things through that verse. But we have to be committed to the Bible before God's going to start showing us these things. He did let none of his words fall to the ground. What does that mean? What does it mean to let his words fall to the ground? You know, that term literally means to be rendered useless. How do we let the word of God be, re- be rendered useless? Well, if we don't do anything with it, it's useless, Right. You know, this reminds me of how often I've personally let the word of God fall to the ground. It was a shot the day that I read this. You know, God hit me hard with it. How many people have you let slip by that I've told you to talk to? We get scared. We think, man, this person's not going to be accepting. They they're not going to listen to me, and you make up every excuse in the book to go the other way. Or maybe he's told you to talk to him and you're just, okay, I'm just going to slip him a track. I'm not going to talk to him. You know, we make excuses to stop short, come up short, to let the word of God fall to the ground. Now, the word of God, as we share it, the promise of the word of God is that it will not return void. The words of the Lord will not return void. And we've got to believe that. We've got to trust it as we share it. We may not see the results in the moment. But as I made mention of earlier, someone comes to church and said, you know, I got this track on my door eight years ago. I found it the other day as I was cleaning things out and thought, you know, I need to make some changes in my life. I think I'm going to go to church and see what it's all about. First people coming to Christ so many times through very similar scenarios. Even one guy... From our home church, um, one of our pastors that had passed away, he, he had told one time, said, handed the track to a person, they crumbled it up and threw it in the trash can. Later that night, God convicted them, went and got it out of the trash can and flattened it back out and laid it on a shelf. And literally, five years later, picked it back up and got saved. Just from reading the... Started coming back to church. And you know, there's story after story of these accounts that have really happened because the Word of God doesn't return void. But if it doesn't get into their hands, how do they know? You know, that term fall to the ground again, it's like being rendered useless. If you were going into battle, you let your sword get knocked out of your hand, it falls on the ground, and you just stand there and... Hope you don't get slayed. You know, it's rendered useless. It's doing you no good. You might get killed. You might get maimed. You know, something bad's going to happen if you're out in the woods going to chop down a tree for firewood. You leave your axe, your chainsaw, whatever, back back at home and you realize that when you get out to where you're going, maybe you've rode out on your four-wheeler or whatever and you realize, oh, it's not there. You drove a mile out to get to it. By the time you get back, maybe your fire ran out. Hopefully you haven't neglected it that much. But, you know, it's rendered useless. A chainsaw's doing no good sitting there in your house. But, you know, the Word of God. As you've left it laying on the ground, how many times have you came in contact with someone the next day, that next week, They've passed on. We don't know if they were saved or not. But how many people have went to hell because we haven't told them the truth of God's word? You know, I, I've, I've been convicted before in the middle of the night that I need to call someone. Now, the person I'm thinking of, thankfully, has gotten saved since. But there was about 10 years gap between this night at 2 a.m., God prodded me to call. I didn't call because it's 2 a.m. They're going to get mad at me. They're not going to be receptive to God's Word at 2 a.m. Now the next day I found out that this person was awake. Couldn't sleep that night. They would have been wide awake at 2 a.m. But I let the Word of God lay on the ground. Again, thankfully this person is saved today. But... You know, it's never too late to pick it up and share with the next person. You know, that sword that's left laying on the ground, yeah, there can be some problems in the meantime, but we can still pick it up. Now, it may be that we were taken out in between. And we lost opportunity to advance. But if we can pick it up again, it still has the same power that it did before. We can pick it up. We can still slay our enemies. We can still go back and get that chainsaw and go cut that wood to provide the heat for our family. We can still pick up the Word of God and start today and go out into this world and share with our neighbors, the ones we come in contact with on a daily basis. We can still go out. We can still make effective the calls of Christ. But while it's laying on the ground, who? Who? has been left by the wayside. Who is condemned to an eternity in hell because we didn't take the truth to them? Back in college, there was an evangelist out of Chicago that had came and he was teaching a module in uh, the college there and he was sharing that he had preached down in uh, southern Florida at a church, a, a big church there and they had a lot of migrants and so forth. And there was a couple... There that had uh, come from a small town in Africa. I forget where it was, but just a small village. They had moved over to the United States, and someone had knocked on their door and got them to come to church, and they got saved. Just a young couple. And he was this guy I was talking to, he, he, was, he had been talking to the pastor, and the pastor was sharing this story. It had just happened a couple of days before. And he said... They came into my office and shared that they had got saved and we were, we were excited about it. And then they asked, but what happened to my dad? He died a couple months ago, right before they moved to the United States. Said if they would have heard what we heard here, if he would have heard, he, he would have trusted. He would have got saved. Now, we don't know the truth of that. We'd like to think if people hear it, they're going to get saved, but not always. Always. But he said, what I didn't tell him, he said, the pastor didn't, he said, uh, there's a couple in our church that several years before, they had both been through Bible college, they got engaged during Bible college. The, the man, he had been called to this particular village in Africa. He was planning on going the whole time. He was dating this girl and never told her about it. He um, got to... The point of marriage is still never said anything. After they graduated, they got married. It was on their honeymoon that he said, you know, God's called me to this, this village in Africa. We need to start raising some support. And she looked at him and said, I'm not going. You haven't told me about this. It's like, I'm not going to Africa. I'm not leaving the country. And today he teaches Sunday school and she does as well right there in that church but would never go. The gospel got cut short frankly because of stupidity but you know you've got to share that kind of information but you know that's my opinion but regardless it was a situation where God had someone lined up to go and tell but it was, fell to the ground. It was rendered useless because he wouldn't go. Wouldn't go where God had told him to go. Where have you let the word of God fall to the ground? For me, anyway, it was a convicting thought. We've got to be committed to the battle, we've got to hold nothing back. From those that we encounter, we've got to do what God commands us in His word and do what He has called us to do. Again, don't let the word of God fall to the ground. We've got to focus our life on Christ. We've got to be committed to the word. We've got to be committed to the battle and committed to holding nothing back. As we turn back to Acts 2020, 20, that's where we'll sit for the remainder. I want us to read through verse 22 and look at a couple things here in Paul's, um, or in this testimony here that we see. And how I kept nothing back that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly. From house to house. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And how? Now, and now behold I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. Not knowing the things that shall befall me there. You know Paul was being led. He would say he was bound in the Spirit into Jerusalem. He was being led by the Spirit every step of the way. But as we, we look at a couple of things, he said, I kept back nothing that was profitable. Kept back nothing that was profitable. The word of God is what's profitable. It is what does not return void. He said, but I have showed you, you know, and taught you. You know, sometimes it takes more than words. It takes our actions. They visibly see what's going on. You know, Paul's testimony, it was complete. It was profitable. He, he had showed it. His testimony was clear. And as he went house to house, we see that he taught publicly, but he taught privately as well. In every situation, we've got to be prepared to share the truth of God's word. He said it was testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. His testimony was to everyone. He didn't let it hold him hold him back. You know, as I was sharing in Sunday school this morning about our testimony and how God has called us to start a church in Butte, um, you know, I was telling about just the perspective that so many people had toward the city of Butte. I... I was out here in 2019 and 2020, or 18 and 19, sorry. And I was out here for a month each year in August and September. And the first year as I was out here, everyone's like, why in the world do you want to go to Butte? Why Butte? You're not going to last there. The people aren't going to like you. They're, you know, you're just not going to make it. It's a city that, I, you, we must really be called to because no one's going to just go there of their own free will. You know, i heard all kinds of comments like that. And, you know, as I, I was going through those, and I was thinking, whenever I was first here trying to figure out where God wanted me, I had called six or seven pastors. I had asked them basically one question. I said, if you were to plant a church in Montana, where would you go? Every one of them said Butte. I asked why Butte? And they're like, well, you're just going to have to go find out on your own. I talked to someone in the church that I was based at during that time. And they're like, you don't want to go to Butte. That's a dirty, ugly city full of crime and drugs. And you don't want to go there. It's like, okay, well, I don't know where else to go. I feel like God's leading me to go, so I'm going to go check it out. And uh, that day, he didn't even let me get into the city before he showed me. As I go over the Continental Divide and start, start down and see the city, he gave me the verse out of Matthew 9, 28. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. And you know, 37,000 people isn't necessarily a multitude and a person from East Coast's life. You know, a state of 10 million people in North Carolina. But I had been in all these small towns and places like Ennis and... Here and three forks and so forth. And that day, you know, God spoke to me through that verse. And he spoke to my wife and showed us we needed to be there. And after that first year of coming out for a month, the next year, I kind of got over that hurdle. I realized that the reason I was here is because God, through His Word, showed me that I needed to be in Butte. Because I can stand on His Word. I've not let those comments bring me down. If it wasn't for him giving me his word, I probably wouldn't be here today. But I said that to say Paul's testimony was to everyone. So many people like, it's not worth it to go there. They're too far gone. But you know, as I was sharing this morning as well, I have not met one person that has not been accepting of, accepted of us. Everyone has been, you know, willing to talk to me, hear, to hear what I've said. When I've been able to share the gospel with them, they hear what I say. You know, yeah, sure, I had one say, yeah, well, my, my daughter needs this. And I'm thinking, what about you? But, um, you know, I take one of my hook for butte cards that um, we're passing out with the gospel on it and so forth. And, you know, there's a lot of perception. Perception keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. But if we stand on God's word, we can go in knowing that we can have victory in Jesus. You know, God may have me in Butte for one soul. But he may have me there to build a church and see many souls. And I pray that's what it is. But whatever the Lord's will is, that's what we're here for. But he went to all the Jews and the Greeks. That's typifying all men it's the jews the greeks the jews were the pharisees the sadducees the more the formalistic type the religious free-thinking group whereas the greeks they represented the culture the science the arts communities the the worldliness of every age that's it's representative of everyone that's the point but what is the message in um In this verse it says, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's testimony was complete, profitable. It was clear and it was to all that would hear. The gospel of Christ is the message. Repentance towards God. We've got to change from our unbelief to a belief in the one who can save, Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 3 says, in verse 16 and 17, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It's the Word of God that's going to change us. It's the Word of God that's going to empower us to go and to complete the great commission that He's given us. Paul said, I go bound in the Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit of God. He was in bondage or controlled by the Spirit. Are you allowing yourself to be controlled? I'm not asking, are you you filled with the Spirit? Are you allowing yourself? Yes, you can allow or not allow the Spirit of God to control you. Every action you make is your choice. We have free will to do what we choose. But it doesn't mean it's the right thing. We've got to choose according to God's Word. What the Spirit of God lays on our conscience, we've got to be willing to go. Many say, just follow your heart. The Bible says our heart is continually evil. If we follow our heart, we're going down the wrong path. We've got to follow the Word of God. Whatever comes to our mind, we've got to match it with the Word of God and make sure it is the truth. Because Satan will use that to lead us astray. How does your testimony measure up today? And not to Paul, but to the example of Christ. And we all fall short, way short of Christ. But where are we falling short? Where are we letting the word of the Lord fall to the ground? As I close this morning, I want you to think. If any of you have made those New Year's resolutions, commitments, goals, again, whatever you want to call them. You know, I hope, I hope you're able to keep them. But to yourself, I want you to answer the question. How many of them are in line with what, God, with what God would have you to do? If they're not, you know, it's not too late. Yeah, we're what 16 days into the new year. You can start today. It's not too late. We've got to make God the priority. Ask Him to show you. Where you need to change. And don't let your guard down. You know as I was telling my family. Starting a new church. April 17th. Easter Sunday. That's the grand opening date. I told my family. We can't let our guard down. Satan's not happy about this. You know. Things keep happening. That. For all I know is Satan trying to prevent us. Riding down the road yesterday and my Ford Expedition goes into what they call limp mode. If you know what that is, it barely moves going down the road. But we'll get you home. Don't know why. Got to figure that out. But, you know, these little things start happening. God prevents. Not God. Satan tries to prevent. But we have victory in Christ. You can't let those things get to you. You've got to trust That God has a purpose. That He will provide the means. That He will get you through. He he knew this was going to happen before the foundation of the earth. He'll provide. He always does. It's amazing what He has provided already. But again, make the Bible your number one priority. If you're not reading it, you're not prepared for the battle. You're not going to give someone what they need. You've got to be committed to that battle daily. Die to self daily so that you'll realize you need Him. You need His Word. And then hold nothing back. When the opportunities arise to share with someone, make sure you take it. I don't take every one of them, I admit it. It's hard. Fear gets into our heads, our minds. Satan, he just twists things out of proportion and makes us go the other way so many times. But in reality, he doesn't make us do it. We choose to. So I want to ask you this morning. Are you living your life in gospel focus? Are you focused where you need to? 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, everything we do is vanity. Unless it's for the Lord. Doesn't mean we can't work a secular job. It doesn't mean we can't go out and have fun. But throughout it all, we've got to have our focus that we're prepared to share Christ with someone. That we're prepared that our testimony is clear. Our living testimony shows who we follow. Does your coworkers, does your family know that you're saved? Can they see it in your walk? Is there something different about you? And I'll leave you with that this morning. We'll, we'll have a uh, time of invitation. If you'd like to play something for us. Um, just get everyone to stand for a moment. And um, just heads bowed, eyes closed. And just got a couple of questions for you. And ask if, if there's something you'd like to commit to the Lord this morning. Feel free to come to the altar. or Stay right there in your seat. And just have time with God. day, do you know for sure where you would go? Maybe you're thinking, I can't know for sure. I wish you'd let us take the Word of God and show you how you can't know without a doubt. I remember the day I got saved. I don't remember the date or the time. I was sitting on my couch at home watching a fishing sharing the gospel for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life except for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord I just came home from church on a Sunday morning convicted knowing that I, knowing that I was lost if I died I'd go to Him remember what I was thinking exactly. I don't remember what I said, but I remember the moment plain plain as day. You have a moment that you can go back to and say, yes, I trust in Christ right here, right there. You don't have to know the time or the day, but I believe you'll know the moment. If you don't know, I pray you would trust Him today. Let one of us show you how you can know for sure. If you're saved, it's time to make the commitment to be in the Bible, be in the Word of God. for those that are here this morning those that are watching online Father I pray that you would just convict hearts where needed Father I pray that as we leave this place we'll see the world as a mission field we don't have to be called to a different place a different country or any of that but you've called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature To simply share Jesus Lord help us as we go on our way Help us be committed to your word, Lord, that we'll be prepared for the battle. Lord, if we're committing to anything, it needs to be towards you, towards your son, Jesus Christ. Father, again, we thank you for who you are and you know each and every need. Lord, be with us as we leave this place this morning. Bring us back at the next appointed time. and We'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name.